Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. go ahead and get into our message today. Uh, we are finishing up a little mini-series that we had began last week called Geared Up. Um, we Last week we talked about the road ahead that we are going to be going on. If you've been attending our midweek services, um, if you have been involved in, um, you know, in Sunday mornings the last couple of weeks, we've been sharing this heart that our leadership team has been um, spending time this past summer talking about and thinking about and dreaming about what is it that God wants to do? How can we be the church that he's called us to be in the season ahead for us? And so last week we talked about being geared up for the road ahead. And one of the main concepts for us is that we want to be a consistent and life-giving presence in the neighborhoods around our church. We believe that God has placed us here at the Neighborhood Academy specifically so that we could reach the neighborhoods of the East End. And so we're spending a lot of time talking about how we can do that. We want to create intentional pathways for relationships and to build teams. We want guests who come in the door. We want you, if you've been coming for a while and you're like, I want to get deeper connected, we want to create intentional pathways for you to meet people and to know people and to be loved by people and become a part of this family, but also to serve on the teams and to grow so that we can be even more effective. We want to be one church. We want to be one family moving in one direction together. And so as Heather had mentioned in our, in our uh, announcement time, we will encourage you to come out to our Chili Cook-Off and Fall Festival on November 4th, as well as the Invitation Saturday on the Saturday before the 27th, because we want to include our city in what we're doing. God is so good and he's so wonderful and he's given us grace and mercy and love and relationships and community, all the things that we love. But he loves those people out there just as much, and so we want to invite them. So please come out and help us as we get the word out and we hand out those 5,000 door hangers, as well as put on an event for ourselves, but also for our family, our, our neighborhood family. So we want to invite them. So we had two focuses for the road ahead that we talked about last week. The first one is relationships. We're going to focus a lot on how we spend time with each other, creating specific ways to include people and to welcome people. But we also want to focus on reaching reaching people outward and helping them know that, that they're welcome here and that there's healing and hope for them here. But this week, we want to focus a little bit on how we will do it, how we will do it. So I'm calling this week Geared Up for Growth. So last week was Geared Up for the Road Ahead. Well, this is Geared Up for Growth. I believe that God wants more for us. I believe that he wants more for our church. And I believe that God wants more for our communities. He wants us to grow into his best for our lives. Whatever that means, it means possibly that our finances would shift. If we're in a place of where we can't even pay our bills because maybe we've mismanaged them for such a long time, I believe that God wants to grow us in the area of how we restore our finances. I believe that God wants us to grow in our relationships with each other, with our spouses, with our children, and finding healthy methods and patterns and rhythms of life with each other. I believe that God wants us to grow in, like in missions, in how we reach out to the world. Even if it's locally, how do we reflect him better in our own personal lives? And how do we reflect him around the world, right? I believe that God wants to grow us in so many areas. And so we can create plans and we can create strategies as a church and all of those things are good, right? And we can preach every Sunday. Everything is good to create plans and strategies, but it always has to start with us as individuals in our hearts. We have to be the people that God wants us to be before we could ever do something, you know, corporately as a group, as a body. 
And so I would say this, and the first thing I would say to you today is this, if you're taking notes, write this down, is growth is intentional. Growth is intentional. That means that we have to make a choice whether we're going to grow in our lives, whether we're going to grow in our spiritual life, if we're going to grow as a church, we have to make a decision individually to be intentional about the things that are going to help us to grow, right? That's why we go to school. That's why we go down the career path that we do so we can prepare is so that we can grow. If you want a promotion at at your job, you can't just You can't just hope it's going to happen. You have to take steps. You have to acquire skills, right? You have to take certain steps and trainings in order for you to be able to get to that place. Same thing in your relationship. If I recognize that there's something wrong, if I'm consistently having an argument with my wife or if I consistently am having problems in my finances, I have to figure out what am I doing wrong or what's the next step for me. And that reflects one of our core values as a church, which is dig deeper. Dig deeper means what's the next step for me? How can I push deeper? How can I grow more? How can I become more like Jesus? I want to dig deeper. What is the next step? In order for us to grow in any capacity, in any circumstance, we have to take that next step. And so that's what it is for us. Growth is intentional. Intentional. Um, my wife used to have this plant at our house. Um, it was called minty. It was a little mint plant that we had. Um, and this poor plant died many times because it wasn't taken care of, right? So think of it in this way. We used to have this plant that would sit outside in the sun. It was getting the, the rays of the sun. It had everything that it needed in order to be healthy, but it wasn't taken care of. It was not intentionally cared for, and therefore it withered. But there was a time where Heather said, you know what, I feel so sad for my plant. And thankfully, mint plants are very resilient and will continue to grow back over and over again if you take care of them properly. So she began to water it every day, began to cultivate a little bit, and lo and behold, look what happened to Minty. Now, this is exactly the case of what happens to us. Think about our own lives. Doesn't it take intentionality, and doesn't intentionality make all the difference? I mentioned areas of our lives in work or at school or our children learning, right? Things about our significant other and our marriages or in our finances. When we are intentional about taking care of these areas of our lives, don't they grow when we, when we as married couples are, are having friction, if we take time going out on a date together, or perhaps we engage in, in counseling with each other, or maybe we go to a marriage conference if, if we need to do those types of things, or with our kids, if our children are feeling at a place where they're, they're, they're acting up or there's discipline, if we spend time thinking about what's going on in your life, you know, why are you acting like this? And we try to learn and we're intentional about that. Or with our finances, we talk a lot about budgeting here at our church, right? It's not just about giving God our money, it's about making sure that with what God gives us, we're taking and we're using it appropriately. And sometimes that means saying, you know what? Wow, I don't know where my money goes. Maybe a budget might help. Getting out of debt might help. All of these areas, when you're intentional about things in your life, you will often find room for growth and the opportunity to grow into them. But what happens when we neglect them? What happens when we neglect things instead? It goes the opposite direction, just like that plant, right? When you don't take care of things, when we're not intentional, The same thing is true with our relationship with God and with our church and with our communities. If we want to be a consistent, life-giving presence, if we want our church to be vibrant, if we want people, yourselves included, to be connected into relationships and find healing and, and hope and restoration in our souls with Jesus, we have to be intentional. We have to care. And when we do, it opens up the possibility for growth. And in the Bible, we see a picture of the early disciples 
right after Jesus had been resurrected and the whole world was shaken because of of this moment in history that we believe is the foundation of everything, that Jesus proved once and for all that that he said he was, that he was true, that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. And now imagine that, that moment, right? It was a catalyst moment for all of the disciples who just a week or two beforehand were terrified. They were hiding in a room. And now, because they've seen the resurrected Jesus Christ, they were filled with the Spirit of God, which the Bible tells us that when we say yes to Jesus, that the Spirit of God lives within every single one of us. They were excited. They were amped up because they now had a validation. They knew that everything they had believed and they would saw for the last three years of Jesus' ministry was legit. It was the real thing. And it sparked them. And so they began to tell all their friends. They began to tell everybody. And the Bible shows us a picture in Acts chapter 2, of the disciples being together. And it gives us this illustration of what it was like for them. And I want to show you that the intentionality of spending time in relationships and in reaching, as we said last week, and how it spurs on growth. Let's look at this right here in Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 to 47. It's a pretty short passage, but it's so much jam-packed in there. If you have a Bible, pull them out. If you've got a smartphone with the Bible app, I encourage you to download it. If you haven't already, your tablet, please do. And open your Bibles to Acts 2, 42 to 47. We also have free Bibles for you. If you don't have one, you've never been able to read the Bible because you don't have one, we have free ones for you at the Connection Center. Please do not leave today without it. But let's read together in Acts 2, 42 to 47. And let's see what we can learn today about intentionality in our relationships and in reaching. Verse 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves, that sounds intentional to me, right? A devotion, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Right there, we see like the encapsulation right there of what a disciple's life is supposed to be like. It's passionate towards Jesus and spending time learning from him. It's passionate about coming to church and spending time learning from each other. It's passionate about an intentionality, about spending time in relationship with other Christians and other believers so that we can grow in each other and share our burdens. And when my life stinks and it's terrible and I'm feeling like I'm frustrated and I got to give up, Right, Because life is heavy sometimes when I've got a friend it feels a little less heavy, doesn't it? And that's what we see intentionality, right? And we see them reaching out into their communities and praying. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those who were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, in this passage, the thing that jumps out to me is that they were all doing the same thing. They just kept saying over and over again, they were together. They were all here. They were all there. They all did this. They all did that. That speaks to unity. They were unified. Everything that they did, they did together, and they went in the same direction because they loved each other, and they believed so passionately about what they were there to do. They had one mind. They had one purpose, living life completely centered around Jesus, and they grew as disciples first, but the size of their group grew as well. And I believe there is something incredibly powerful about unity. 
We don't have a lot of that in our country right now, and we don't have a lot of that in the church in our country right now. And I believe a big part of why people are frustrated with the church of Jesus Christ across all denominations in our country and maybe in the Western world in general is because they don't see Christians unified with each other. They don't see a body of Christ in a neighborhood who all love each other despite their differences. They don't see a church that is in their communities loving people and doing it all with the same mind and with the same passion. And that's what I love about Encounter Church, is that we are a church that is unified through Christ. We have people who come from Pentecostal backgrounds. We have people who come from Catholic backgrounds. We have people who come from Methodist backgrounds. We have people who come from Presbyterian backgrounds, people from Baptist backgrounds. We have all sorts of different people and we all come together under the name of Jesus Christ. And the, here's the thing. If we can learn to be one church family and we can go out into our communities, there's not a single person we won't be able to reach because there will always be someone in our family who's equipped to speak the language of the person that we're meeting. That's the beauty of having the family of God. But what's happened in our churches around the world is that we tend to group up. Oh, well, I like to be demonstrative in my praise. I want to raise my hands. I want to sing nice and loud. And I want to have rock music up on the stage. And I'm going to be doing all this stuff. But then that alienates the people who don't feel comfortable in that space. So then they create their own church right? Where they are, you know, kind of quiet, more reserved. They like the liturgies and all those. And these are all beautiful expressions of faith. But the problem is it does, it creates disunity. We are not together as the body of Christ. We have a denomination over here and a denomination over there. And we've got groups of people over here and groups of people over here. And what the church sees, what the people out in the community sees is not the body of Christ. What they see is rules. What they see is preferences. They don't see unity. And instead, when we look in Acts chapter 2, and we see all of these people. I can't believe that every one of those disciples were extroverts. I'm sure that there were introverts in that group. I'm sure that there were people there who were like, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable going out into the streets and yelling the name of Jesus off the, at the, you know, out of the top of my lungs. I'm sure that there were people in that group. In fact, I know it's for sure because there was a man named Thomas who was a part of the disciples who was one who struggled with doubt, one who constantly was saying, I don't know what I think about this. And, and he had to see Jesus come and, and let him actually see it. There were people, every person is different. And that was reflected in the body of Christ. And we are called to be one church, one family with one mind doing the same thing. And so one of our core values as a church that we've recently added is unity through Christ, which means that no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, we come to, together in the middle under the, under the banner of Jesus Christ. And I believe that that's incredibly powerful. I believe that if we go into our neighborhoods and we serve doing projects or we have a fall festival, all the different things that we're going to be doing, and we do that together, no matter who we are, they're going to see it. And it's going to be powerful. It's going to be powerful for people to see that we're one family all moving in the same direction, even though we've got different preferences, even though we come from different backgrounds, different maybe ways of way that we do it if it were me in charge, whatever that is, but we all submit under the leadership of Jesus Christ and we love each other. I believe that the angry individuals out there who have never seen the church ever treat each other that way, I believe that it will soften their hearts. I believe it with all my heart. That's what we're called to be. But I would say that all of this did not happen by accident. They intentionally chose it. It was a priority for them, our disciples that we just read about. It was a priority for them. They focused on the right things. They were a healthy family, and results came from that intentionality and that priority. And so the big idea for today's message, if you're taking notes, write this down, is this. Healthy things grow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Healthy things grow. Because if you're intentional about it, and you do the right things, you will grow. 
But where are we talking about? Well, Christianity became the world's largest religion because of disciples who were passionate about Jesus, each other, and their world. They were healthy in their lifestyle. They, they lived according to God's principles. We see that throughout Scripture. Their worldview and their priorities were transformed by God. They allowed their relationship with him to transform the way that they saw the world. And they became consumed with a new perspective. And here's what's interesting. is It was a countercultural perspective, but it was contagious. Somehow, they were against everything that the rest of the world and its norms, right? Almost every aspect of what a Christian believed in the early days of, the, of, our, of, our, of our religion coming off the ground was almost against everything that the Roman world stood for. And yet, thousands and thousands of people came to the relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? It wasn't because their policies were better than others. It was because the whole family was unified together. And they did it with a love, and it showed something deeper than their words or even their actions. That unity, that love that was displayed, and the way that their family was so strong was just contagious. They were countercultural, and yet they were contagious. And I believe that same thing is available for us. We will stand upon what we believe is right, but we will do it together. And God desires more for us today. I believe that God is calling Encounter Church to become more like the early church and less like the American modern church. I believe that God wants us to grow more healthy. I believe he wants us to focus on relationships and on reaching people. And to be able to do it, we need to grow. And so there's three simple areas that I believe that God wants to grow us as individuals and as a church. And here they are. Write these down. Number one, God wants to grow the size of our faith. God wants to grow the size of our faith. Look what it says in verse 42 and 43. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer, and a deep sense of awe came over them, and all the apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders. Here it is. The devoted followers, they're called disciples. First thing the area that we need to grow in is in our faith. We need to become fruitful individuals in our lives. That means that we have to allow God to challenge our assumptions about who he is, what he's capable of, right? We talked about that this morning in our worship time, that like we have to take a step where we say, I'm afraid of this, or I'm uncomfortable with this situation in my life. And it's okay to admit that, but then we have to say, but God's word says this about me, that God's word says this about my circumstances, but God's word says this about who God is. And now I begin to speak faith in that space. I believe God will take care of me, even though I don't see it. I believe that God wants more for me than what I see. I believe that God is good. I will trust that if I continue to put him first in my life, in my finances or in my decisions or in the way that I choose to live, even when it hurts or I'm afraid I might not have enough, I'm going to trust that God is true, that he is good. And you see what happens when we, when we grow in our faith in that area, we begin to stretch, we begin to build muscles of faith. And that's what the disciples were spending time doing. They were committed to the apostles' teaching. They were practicing the disciplines of spending time with each other. They made relationships with each other, made relationships uh, reading their Bibles, made listening to God, prayer. All of these things were a priority. They practiced intentionally these things, and miracles came with that commitment. If you don't ever put yourself in a position to trust that God will do a miracle, then you're never going to see one. If there is never a need in your life for God to do something greater than you could ever do, then you can't complain that God isn't showing up in powerful ways. But in a situation when you have reached the end of your rope and we have to at some point say, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to do it. And when we put trust, our our faith into his hands, 
That's when the miracles come. That's what God has done. I've seen it so many times in my life, whether relationally, financially, even physically. I've, I've had healings in my own life. I've seen God do supernatural things. He is a supernatural God, in case you were wondering. He's not a robot. He's not a machine. He's not a human being. God is beyond all of us and higher than our ways. It would make sense then that he would have the ability to transform things in the natural world that we cannot do. But he won't oftentimes step into those spaces if we don't give him the space to do it or if we don't believe that he even wants to. We have to stretch our faith. And I believe it's about proximity. The closer that we are to God, the greater access to his power and his prayer answering ability that we will see. We need to grow our faith. We need to become a people that are willing to say, you know what, God, I'm going to step out into the places you've called me to, even if I don't know what's going to happen when I get there. I want to trust you. And that's what we see with the early disciples. The second area that I believe that God wants to grow us in, God wants to grow the size of our heart. The size of our heart. Verses 44 and 47 says this, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. You see, they had a heart for people. God didn't just change you know, their, their faith. They didn't just, it wasn't just a direct up and down relationship with God. God began to change their heart to where there is now a relationship going left to right with the people around them. You began to see that they would spend time with each other. They would look at their friend's need and they didn't just say, oh, well, this paycheck that I got is just for me. No, what we see is they shared money. They shared food. They shared their resources. It says they sold their property. I mean, I don't know. When's the last time you sold your house and used the money to get someone out of debt? These are the challenging, incredible, you know, uh, pictures or illustrations that we see of the early church. They were so committed, so passionate, so sold out for who Jesus was and what he meant to the world, the opportunity that was available for centuries to come. They seemed to understand that in the early days. And so in order for us to become who God wants us to be, in order for us to be the life-giving presence that God wants for us to be in our communities and to have the relationships that will change the perspective of people in our communities, we need to become people whose heart grows beyond our circle of influence or our comfortabilities. God is challenging us to spend time with each other even when we're tired. I believe that God is challenging us to, to lift each other out of poverty. I believe that God is challenging us to take money from our paychecks and to give them to other people who need help. I believe that God is saying, share your food and share your dinner table. I believe that God is saying all of these things to us. Invite people into your life with each other. I believe that God is saying that he wants us to make relationships a priority. We need to have heart for friends, but also beyond, not just people who are like us. One of our core values as a church is everyone is welcome. Do we believe that or is it just a word that we say? Is everyone welcome? Is everyone welcome in my life? Someone who looks different than me. Somebody who smells differently. Someone who makes a completely different job. People I don't even understand. Are you willing to do that? We do it on Sunday morning because that's our job. But are you willing to invite someone, a neighbor across the street who you've never even, like, I don't know, that's weird to me. Are you willing to go knock on their door and say hello? Are you willing to, while you're walking up and down your street, are you willing to, when you're on your way to work or a coworker, and invite them to come to lunch with you? I don't know what it might be, but in order for us to become who God wants us to be, our heart has to grow. We have to see the way he does. That means challenging ourselves to, to expand our heart and to include other people, putting others before ourselves, sharing resources, and truly 
living for each other. I believe that God wants to grow the the sizes of our faith as well as the size of our heart. And here's what happens when we do. Number three, I believe God wants to grow the size of our reach. Verse 47b, the tagline under the end of this, this is what everybody wants. Everybody wants this, right? And it says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. But here's the caveat. We can't grow. We can't have more people come to Jesus. We can't have people, more people sitting in the gaps in our chairs at church if our faith isn't built and if we're not willing to invite people into our hearts and into our lives, right? Because we say with our mouths, I want more people to know Jesus, but I'm not willing to go out to the street to go get them, right? I want people to know the hope and the life of Jesus, but I'm not willing to pay for a meal or I'm not willing to open my home on a Tuesday night or whatever it might be to invite people who need Jesus, who will never walk in the door of a church. So how are they supposed to come to church if I'm not even willing to invite them into my house or to come to a baseball game or whatever? Do you see what's happening here? We want so desperately for people in our community to see and to know the goodness of God. Every one of us are here today, probably almost every one of us, in case you're in a space right now where you're like, I don't know what I think, but most of us in the room know Jesus and have met him and have been challenged and have been changed by him and have experienced his mercy, right? All of the things that we love about him. And we say we want people out there, our friends and our family, our coworkers and neighbors, we want them to experience it. But are we willing to expand the size of our faith? Are we willing to believe that God could use our words, that God could use our money, that he might use our time, that if I just stepped out and I said, God, this terrifies me, to go knock on my neighbor's house and to say, hey, I just wanted, I just wanted to say, I, I, nice to meet you. I'd love to maybe have you come over for dinner. I mean, I don't, I don't know, whatever that might be. It could even just be the coworker who sits in a cubicle next to you every day that you don't really ever talk to. And you could say, hey, would you like to get lunch today? Let's go down to the cafeteria. Love to get to know you. Like, I know that sounds weird or strange for sometimes, but listen, what do we see in this picture right here with the disciples is that they loved people. They invited people. They welcomed people constantly. There was no division between them. They were constantly allowing God to shape their faith and believe if I just, if I just use my life, if I just kind of use my life as an open door, if I'm a tool in God's hands, what he might do with it is probably much greater than I could ever do on my own. If I just open my heart to see the way that he does, Maybe, just maybe, we would reach a little bit farther. And so it starts with the principle of there's always room for more. And this is very intentional. Remember I talked about intentionality. We have to be intentional to say, am I going to sit on the end or am I going to sit in the middle so that people can come on the sides? It's things like, am I going to make sure that there's room? Am I going to out in the cafe? Am I going to stand in a circle? Or am I going to have my eyes outward at the door, always looking for new people? There's always room for more. When I sit in my life group, is there a space available for someone else? When somebody comes in the room and there's no space, do I get up and offer them my chair? Do you see, this is the idea, the intentionality of always room for more. Always looking for opportunities to include other people. And it's not an accident. It must be an intent. We have to choose to expand our reach. I believe that God wants to add, but we must, we, must, we must be willing to do our part. Our faith in Christ must be our identity. It has to be the thing that people see. It's the brand name on our clothes is the idea, right? We walk down the street and people see Adidas on our shirts or on our shoes, right? Do they see Jesus in our lives? The way that we treat people, the way that we talk to people, the way that we 
use our free time at work or on, you know, wherever we are interacting with other people, on social media, the way that we're sharing our dinner from last night, are we sharing our devotions from the morning? Do you see what I'm saying? What is the brand that people would look at our lives and see? Do they go, do they have any clue? Do they have any idea at all that we're followers of Jesus? Do they know that we attend a life-giving church? Are they aware that we go here on Sunday morning? Do you see what I'm saying? We are all about spending time letting people into our world, but sometimes we forget that maybe people would be interested in seeing that this aspect of our lives that is life-giving. You understand? Are we including people? Are we letting people know that Jesus Christ is the center of who we are? Our reach will only grow if we exercise our muscles. That means conversations, having conversations with people about Jesus or about life, inviting people, our muscles of invitations. Come with me. Hey, come out to lunch with me. Hey, come with me to church. Come to the fall festival. Come to this. Come to that. Come to this. Come, come, come. Inviting people. Let's flex the muscles. Let's exercise our muscles of conversations, of invitations, and of relationships. So, I believe that God wants to grow the size of our heart, of our faith, and of our reach. And so as we move into the fall season, a new season is beginning for each of us, for our church and for our communities. God is calling us to pursue relationships with each other and to reach out wider. And as we grow the size of our faith and our heart and our reach, we will become the people that God is calling us to. Would you guys stand up with me? We're going to just kind of close with this. We will grow in influence. I believe that we will grow in size. One of the things is that we have to become influential in our communities, and the only way that happens is by being consistent there and adding value. We want to be life-giving. And as we spend more time in our community, as we spend more time reaching people and loving them in unity, showing them, exposing our lives to them, welcoming them into it, I believe that not only will we gain influence with them, we will also begin to grow here because people will say, I want that. No matter where I go, I don't have any relationships with people who treat each other the way that, that this church does. You understand? That's why it's so attractive. Our personal lives and the situations that we face personally will be transformed as we begin to partner with God, as we live with him, as we live our lives like him, as we spend time like the disciples did in Acts 2, and we, we spend time with each other, learning in life groups and coming on Sunday mornings and, and hearing his teaching, and we spend time in our own time, like reading the word and worshiping throughout the week. You know, we have to be intentional. But as we do, not only will our church grow. Not only will our communities be transformed individually, we will begin to see God move in our lives in the areas that are most close to us, in our finances, and our marriages, with our children, with our jobs, our schools, with our fears, our doubts, all the things that we care about as individuals. And God cares about them too. And the closer we are to him, the more that we see him face to face, the more that we experience his presence impacting us through his word and through his spirit, we will begin to see changes happening in our lives. And that is what allows the church to be powerful and effective in the community. We have to become those people ourselves. And so my challenge to you is this. Intend to grow. Intend to grow. It starts with intention. Growth is intentional. We have a, a mission statement that we've recently shifted as a church. We want to make it super simple. We want to make it super clear and incredibly talkable. We want you to share this with people. We want this to be the thing. When people say, what's your church like? What's your church about? This is what it is. We talk about we want to encounter God in real life. That's who we are. That's our purpose. But our mission, how do we do it? It's super simple. It's right here. And this is your challenge. Love people, know God, serve the world. That's it. Simple. 
right? Every single church is called to do this. We're just gonna say, you know what? We're not gonna get cute. We're not gonna get fancy. This is who we are. We will love people, all people, every person we come across. We will love them. We will give Jesus to them to the best of our abilities. We will love people, but we will know God. We will experience his presence. We will spend time getting to know him, hearing from him, learning from him, being comfortable in his presence, challenging ourselves to dig deeper into that space, right? We're gonna love people, but we're gonna know God. And from that place, we will be consistent. We will serve the world. The world means our backyard, but it also means Africa. It means Asia. It means Greece. It means all over the world. We will serve the world. So if anybody ever asks you, What's Encounter Church about? You know, well, we do three things. We love people, we know God, and we serve the world. Super easy, super simple, talkable. And we encourage you to do that. But I would challenge you today is this, is intend to grow. One of these three areas is probably a safe bet that we need to grow in one of these areas as individuals and as a church. I encourage you to love people better in relationships, joining life groups, becoming part of relationships, knowing God, worship, Bible time, prayer time, right? Coming to church regularly and frequently so that you can hear the message and grow together and serve the world. We encourage you to join our dream team, to be a part of the teams that make church happen on Sundays, but not just here, but also coming to our outreaches. Help us put on the chili cook-off for the fall festival. Help us hand out 5,000 door hangers on the 27th. Help us in our outreaches. You know what I'm saying? Be a part. What is God challenging you to, to do today? How can you be intentional about growing? Let's pray. God, the road ahead is exciting. I believe the future is bright. You are calling us to grow in in relationships with each other, but also in our reach outward. God, we want to be like that tree that we, that illustration of last week, the tree that has wide branches with fruit on it that provides shade for people underneath the, the, the leaves of the tree. We want to invite our people. We want the city to know We want them to know that this church is a tree that is as wide as branches as possible so that we can reach as many people as possible and that they are welcome here, that they can pick the fruit of your love, the fruit of hope, you know, that goodness. They can sit under the shade and peace of your love, God. And when they come here, whether it's at an event or in our services or in our life groups, that they can come and experience something that they can't find anywhere else. That's what we want. So we ask that today, you would grow our faith. Help us to see what you see. Help us to believe that you will do it, that we are not the ones in charge, that we are not the ones who can enact change, but it's you living through us. Would you grow our heart, heart for each other? Grow the heart of our of our hearts for the people out in our communities. Help us to see different. Let us walk out of this place and it'd be like a, a switch was flipped. Let us see our neighbors and be drawn to to finding some way that feels true to each one of us. I'm not trying to say that everybody has to be the same. What is a true to ourselves way, the way you designed us? How can we reach the people that are closest to us in our circles? And God, would you grow the size of our reach? We're asking you. We're stepping out in faith saying that we're going to do these events. We're going to be serving our world. We will do it. We ask that you'll provide resources, you'll provide people. You would grow our church. We're all in for you, God. We're all in for the one, for the one who needs to hear the gospel, the one who needs to grow, the one who needs hope and love. God, we'll give everything for it because we were once that person. Help us on the road ahead. Praise your name, Jesus. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.